Well, hey everyone, thanks for checking out this message from Journey Church. These resources are so awesome to have when you're out in nature like we are and you gotta go be outside on these nice days. However, we want you to know that there is nothing better than true fellowship with believers and live worship with your fellow Christians. So be sure to use this message only in conjunction with getting fed in a community of believers. Hey, we also want you to get connected with us, so be sure to text the word CONNECT to 307-271-9160 so that you can stay in the loop with everything happening at Journey Church and get notifications about upcoming events. Hey, we pray that this message encourages you and inspires you as you continue this life on your walk with Jesus. Well, today we are taking a break from our Ephesians series, really based upon something the Lord was laying on my heart a couple of weeks ago, but also something that came out of the message last week as well. And that was this idea and the concept of, be, uh, of being people of the towel and the basin. And if you remember from last time, I was sharing Jesus getting up from the Passover meal. He's going to be crucified. He's picking up a towel and a basin, and he's beginning to wash the disciples' feet. And he says to them later, as you've seen me do, I'm your master. As you've seen me do this, I want you to serve others in the same capacity, in the same way. And we were talking last time, it wasn't really about literally picking up a towel in a basin. It is how does God want to use you to serve other people? Now, we talked about it last week in the context of marriage. In marriage, we are called to submit one to another out of reverence for, fear of, the love of Christ. That's serving each other. We are called as husband and wife to serve one another, but it's not just husband and wives. We are called in the church body to serve one another. So I want to talk to you today about the idea and the concept of developing a servant's heart. And I want to use the book of Nehemiah, chapter 2, a little bit of chapter 2, all of chapter 3. And we're going to look at this together today for this idea of developing a servant's heart. Let's pray as we begin here today. Father God, I pray that you would show us what it means to have a heart for you, a heart that serves you, that desires to make yourself known. Lord, we want to make you famous, not only in our church, but in our community. We want you to be famous in this world for the good things, Lord. We want people to turn their hearts to you. Lord, you've given us all a task and a calling, but many of us don't even know what that is. Help us to know what our purpose is, what our task is, what our calling is as we step out in faith and begin to serve you. Lord, as we study and look at this uh, section of Nehemiah together, I pray, Father, that you would show us what what it means to develop a servant's heart. We thank you. We love you. We praise you in Jesus name. Amen. All right. Let me set the stage for you as we get into the book of Nehemiah chapter two here today. The book of Nehemiah covers the time where the Israelites had been taken away in captivity. They had been gone for 70 years from the, uh, from the country of Israel, the nation where they, they were accustomed to. They had been marched off into slavery and into captivity. They were beginning to come back. God had promised that they would come back. In fact, the verse that was quoted in the video that we watched, Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11, that context is 
is about a promise given to Israel before they would come back. They're going to be taken into captivity, but God said, but don't worry, I have a plan and a future for you. I have a hope, and the hope was he was going to bring them back. Well, to come back to the nation, it, it was absolutely a mess. Jerusalem was a mess. It was in rubbles. In fact, the wall that surrounded all of Jerusalem had been torn down. Now, a wall in those days was important for a city. It provided protection and defense against any enemy that would want to come and attack. But their walls were torn down and in crumbles. What God put upon the heart of a guy by the name of Nehemiah, he gave him a vision for what needed to happen in the nation. Now, the vision that God gave him was, is going to be a good example for us about how God wants to use us in capacities of service in the church and in the world. So let's look together, starting in Nehemiah chapter 2, verse 11. Now, if you're following the version I use, Nehemiah, uh, starting in verse 2, ver or verse 11 of chapter 2 in the TLV version, it's extended in chapter 3. If you're following in a different version, it carries over into chapter 4, verse 6. Those six verses are kind of tacked on in chapter 3 uh, in this version that I'm using. So regardless of what you're using, it's either chapter 2, verses 11 through the end of chapter 3, or it's to the middle part of chapter 4. But Here's what Nehemiah says. He says, I came to Jerusalem, and after I was there for three days, I got up during the night along with a few men. But I did not tell anyone what my God had put in my heart to do for Jerusalem. There were no animals with me except the animal I was riding. By night I went out by the valley gate toward Jackal Spring and the Dung Gate, inspecting the walls of Jerusalem, which had been broken down, and its gates, which had been destroyed by fire. Then I moved on to the Fountain Gate and to the King's Pool, where there was not enough room for my animal to pass with me, so I went up the valley by night, examining the wall. Finally I turned back, and I returned to the valley gate." The officials did not know where I had gone or what I was doing, but as yet I had not told the Jews, the Kohanim, that's the priests, the nobles, the officials, or the rest of the workers. Then I said to them, you see the bad situation we are in. Jerusalem is desolate and its gates have been burnt. Come, let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem so that we will no longer be a disgrace. Then I told them how the good hand of my God was on me and the words that the king had said to me. Then they replied, let us begin building. So they prepared themselves for this good work. This is principle number one when it comes to serving in any capacity for God. Principle number one is this, establish a kingdom vision. What does it mean to establish a kingdom vision? Well, it's this. You begin to pray, God, what would you have me do? What is your calling that you want me to fulfill? Every one of you has a task, a role, and a purpose that God wants to use you for. And you begin to pray, Lord, how do you want to use me? 
What area are you calling me to do? Sometimes it's as simple as, God, how are you moving? And let me get myself in alignment with how you are moving. Line up with God. How are you moving, God? And how can you use me for your purposes? It's establishing a kingdom vision. Now, Nehemiah had a vision. And the vision that God had given to Nehemiah was, we need to rebuild the walls around this city. He didn't tell anybody. Now, remember what he just said. He said, I did not tell, look at this with me, but I did not tell anyone what God had put in my heart to do for Jerusalem. Sometimes when you establish a kingdom vision, it's just God in you. He is telling you, this is what I want you to do. Now, why would he not tell anybody else? Well, sometimes when you tell other people what God is calling, uh, calling you to do, they will say, you're crazy. You can't do that. You don't have the ability. You don't have the skills. You don't have the manpower. You don't have a background in engineering, Nehemiah. You can't possibly do this. You're not a good enough communicator. You're not a good enough person. You're not talented enough. And so sometimes by telling people, it will bring discouragement. And it will cause you to say, you know what? Maybe I, maybe I shouldn't do this. Some of you, God has called you to do things, but you shared it with somebody else. And they were so discouraging to you that you gave up on that entirely. And maybe it was 10 years ago, 20 years ago, 30, 40 years ago. God called you to do something, but you told somebody else, and they were so discouraging that you said, nah, that's stupid. I'm not going to do that. That's crazy. You establish a kingdom vision by saying, God, what do you want me to do? Not what other people say, not what other people think, only what you want, God. What is your vision for my life? That's what Nehemiah had. He had a vision from God, and he said, okay, if this is what God is calling me to do, if this is what he's putting in my heart, I'm going to do it. And I'm not going to worry about what anybody else says or thinks or how they react. I'm going to follow you, God, with all of my heart. Let's keep going. Then Eliashib, the high priest, the Kohen Gadol, and his brothers, the Kohanim, the priests, so, so the high priest and the priests, they arose. And look what they did. They built the sheep gate. And they dedicated it and set up its doors, dedicating it as far as the tower of the hundred and as far as the tower of Hananel. The men of Jericho built next to it, and Zachor, the son of Imri, built next to them. The sons of Hassanah built the fish gate. Next to them, Mimramoth made repairs. Adjacent to them, Meshulam made repairs. And next to them, Zadok made repairs. By the way, if any of you are expecting a child, here's a great list of names that you could choose from for any child that you may have. Then the men of Toka made repairs next to them. But their nobles would not put their shoulders to the work of their masters because the nobles thought they were too good for this task. Joida and Meshulam repaired the old gate. They laid its beams and set up its doors, its bolts, and its bars. Adjacent to them worked um, Melatiah, uh, the Gibbonite, and Jaden, the Maranathite. Aren't you glad that I'm the one reading these and not you? Uziel. One of the goldsmiths worked adjacent to him, and Hananiah, one of the puf, uh, perfor, uh, perf, performer, uh, okay, 
work next to him. They restored Jerusalem as far as the broad wall. Now, here's what I want you to notice, which is so amazing in all of the mess of the things that I just read. What God's call next is in working for him is to focus on your task. Now, I want you to notice this. They would build around Jerusalem, around the city of Jerusalem, they would build this great wall. And notice what we had just read. Every one of them had a little section. And one worked next to the other. So one focused on this section, another focused on this section, another focused on this section, another focused on this section. And by all of them doing a section, the wall got built. Focus on your task. What does that mean? It means focus on specifically what God has called you to do. You don't have to do everything. You're not called to do everything. You're not called to build the entire wall yourself. You're called to focus on the area that God has called you to do. The calling in your life may be like our worship team just sang up here. Your call may be to worship. And if that is your call, that's where you need to work. And you fulfill that call. And you don't need to be involved in every other thing because this is my call. Your call may be missions, not everything else, just missions. Your call may be teaching. Your call may be small groups. Your call may be serving through cleaning. Your call may be working with men's ministry. Your call may be discipleship. Your call is unique to you. Don't worry about everything else. Focus on your section of the wall. Do you know if a church had sections that we were focusing on, how amazing it would be as we all come together, everything got done because we just focused on our task one at a time. Do you know that churches are designed like that? Why do we have so many churches? Well, every church, think about it with me, is to focus on their section of the wall. Journey Church is not to be the end-all, be-all of churches, and we aren't. Not everybody fits here. Not everybody belongs. Not everybody wants to be here. Maybe your church is new life, or maybe you're from another community and your church is there. Every church is called to fill their section of the wall. This is journey's section. This is what we are called to do. This is what we are to work on. We are not the end-all, be-all for the entire wall that needs to be built. We will focus on our section. You know, one of the things that happens as you as an individual are focusing on your section, sometimes you're critical of other people. Their section, they're not doing it right. Kind of reminds me of my siblings, or my kids. Well, my siblings too. My sisters are very jealous of me, and, and that's apparent. But my kids, as they... Are, are together, sometimes they get competitive and sometimes they get critical of each other and they point out, well, he did this or she said that or they're not doing this and they're not doing that. No, we, we focus on our section and not worry about anybody else. Don't criticize what other people are doing. Sometimes we get very judgmental. They're doing it this way. That's not how they're supposed to do it. They're not doing it the way I want them to do it. They're not thinking the way I want them to think. They're doing it this way. Well, are they still getting their wall built? Well, yeah, they're just not doing it right. Don't worry about them. 
focus on your task at hand. In the same way, don't look at somebody else's section and then beat yourself up thinking, well, I'm not as good as they are. They are, look at how good they're building, how organized they are. The blocks are stacking just right. The decorations are just right. The, the, uh, it's very ornate. And I'm not, I'm just plain. Don't worry about that. Is your section getting built? Yes. Is their section getting built? Yes. A servant's heart is this. God, what is your vision? Help me to focus on that and stay there in that lane and do what you have called me to do. And not get distracted with every other opportunity. Help me to do what you have called me to do. Let's keep going. Now... When you're focused on your section, just know that the enemy does not like that. When God gives you a vision and God gives you a call and you're working in God's, in God's purposes, building your section of the wall, the enemy hates that. And so the enemy will do anything in his power to cause that work to stop. Here's what happened for the Israelites. Now... When Sanballat heard that they were building the wall. Now, who was Sanballat? Well, he was one of the, um, one of the people who lived in the region who was not a Jew. Uh, he hated the Jews. He was like most of the Middle East today. They hated the Jews. They still hate the Jews. Now, when Sanballat heard that they were building the wall, he became very angry and was greatly enraged. And he mocked the Jews in the presence of his colleagues and the army of Samaria, their enemies, saying, what are these feeble Jews doing? Will they fortify themselves? Will they offer sacrifices? Will they finish in a day? Can they revive the stones from the heaps of rubble that are burnt? Then the other enemy, Tobiah the Ammonite, who was beside him, said, even if a fox climbed on what they're building, it would break down their stone wall. In other words, what they're doing is stupid. It's weak. It won't last. They're idiots. They can't do anything. What happens is when you begin to step out for God, you need to expect opposition. Because the enemy is real, and the enemy will stand in your way when you step out for God. If he has put something on your heart, and you begin to work on that section, following him, obeying him, the enemy will come full force against you. He will attack. And I have seen this not just in ministry. I have seen this as people just make a step of faith. As you choose to say yes to Jesus and he comes in your life, the enemy will instantly bring attacks against you. You can expect the opposition. Sometimes it is, it is discouragement. Sometimes it is deriding you. Sometimes it is distracting you. But all along, the purpose is to derail you. And that's what the enemy does. He brings the full force of his attacks. Sometimes he uses people around you. People who are speaking to you, who are really a voice and that moment of Satan. Now, they're not purposefully doing that. They may not have the intent of doing that. But he is using them in your life to cause you to quit working and building and doing what God has called you to do. So expect opposition. It's going to happen. 
Well, when the Jews had the opposition, what did they do in response? Well, here's what they did. It says this. They went to God. They said, hear our God, for we are despised. Turn their insult back on their own head. God, you get revenge for us. You bring them down, God. By the way, it's okay to pray that. It really is. Lord, it's in your hands. And I'm not going to seek revenge on my own, but Lord, if you wanted to do something, I would sure be okay with that. You can get revenge for me. God, you're in control. Turn their insult back on their own head. Give them as plunder in the land of captivity. Do not cover their guilt or blot out their sin from before you. In other words, don't forgive them. Please don't forgive them. For they have provoked you to anger before the builders. So what did they do? Well, they kept focused on God. As you are stepping out saying, God, how can you use me? How can I serve you? He will give you a vision. And you focus on that task. And you stay in that lane. This is what God is, I don't want to be distracted. I'm not going to move in another direction. God, what do you want me to do? Expect the opposition to come, but stay focused on God in the midst of that. He went, they went to him in prayer. They called upon him. And that's what we have to do as we fight the battle. God is, the enemy comes, I need to have faith. And I need to bring prayer and requests to you continuously. I stay focused on you. Well, what was the end of the story? There's more to the story of Nehemiah, but we don't have time to get into all of it. But here's what the end of it says. And I want you to notice one key phrase in this. So here's what he says. So we rebuilt the wall. And the entire wall was joined together up to half its height. For the people, notice, for the people had a heart to work. God gives us a vision. He calls us to a specific section. Opposition will come, but I'm going to keep going to God. He's going to give me the strength to overcome this. Finally, have a heart to work. See, serving God should not be a manipulation. Serving God should not be a have to. Serving God should not be a sense of duty. Well, it's an obligation. It's something I just have to do. Serving God should be a desire from all of your heart. I've had some times in my ministry, and I'll just be very honest and open with you. There's times in my ministry, today is not one of them, but there have, maybe next week will be, I don't know. But there have been times in ministry that I felt like, you know what? I just don't even feel like doing this anymore. I just feel like giving up. I feel like quitting and doing something different. I don't know if you've ever felt like that before. You've stepped out for God. You're walking in faith. It's gotten difficult. There's opposition that happens. And you feel like, you know, I just don't even feel like doing this anymore. It's an obligation. It's turned into a sense of duty. It's something that I have to do. Not something that I really want to do. You know, the difference of having a heart to work is it's not about duty. It's, it's what I want to do. It's a love. I love God. And I want to serve others. I want to serve him. I want to do what he has called me to do. And when you have a heart like that, it's not an obligation. It's a want to. It's a desire. That's the motivation to keep going. And that's what the people had. Notice, they had a heart to work. 
We all came together. We saw the city was in destruction, and we had a heart to work. You know, last couple of weeks we were talking about marriage. This would apply to marriage too. Think about it with me. In marriage, what is the vision God has given you? Has he given you a vision for your marriage? I want a marriage that honors him. I want a marriage that is fulfilling. I want a marriage that proclaims the name of Jesus, that he is at the center of our marriage. Okay, well, if that's the case, then focus on your task. What do I need to do then to make this happen? When I say I want to make this happen, you know what's going to happen next? The enemy is going to bring a broadside against me. Maybe through other people, maybe through some distractions or derailing me of some kind, but the enemy is going to bring the attack. You know what? doesn't matter. I'm going to keep focused on God. I'm not going to quit. I'm not going to give up, even though it's hard. I'm going to keep focusing on, on him, and I've got a heart to work. My heart is in this. I know it's difficult. I know it's a challenge, but there is my heart. I want to work at this. This applies to parenting. God gives you a vision for your kids. You're going to keep focused on that task and not get distracted. And it's going to be tough because kids are tough and they could be a challenge, but opposition will come. But I'm going to keep focused on that, on God in the midst of this. And I've got a heart for my kids. It comes to serving in the church. What vision has God given you? What task has he laid before you? What is your section of the wall? Are you willing to step into that section Put, put your hands into the mess and start repairing what needs to be repaired. And as you do, the enemy is going to attack. But it doesn't matter. I'm going to keep focused on God because I've got a heart to work. See, this is the idea of developing a servant's heart. You know what? I'm going to challenge you today. We need people. And I don't want you to do that out of a sense of, oh, I, I just have to. If you love God and he's given you a vision and he's called you to a section of the wall, I want you to step in obedience to him and begin to serve. And the enemy will attack, but you keep focused on God and you bring your prayers to God and he will give you a heart to serve. Do you have a heart to serve? Do you know right now in in the church, I'm going to give you some areas of ideas of areas that we need help in the church. We'll start with a simple one. We need, we need cleaning teams. Do you know that we have, we have five teams and we want five people per team that do the cleaning of the church? What is that? It's once a week every five weeks. One time a week. Every five weeks, five people get together and they clean the church so that it's ready to go for a Sunday morning or a Wednesday night or whatever it may be. We need cleaning teams, people that would say, you know what, I I don't feel like I can get up and preach. I don't feel like I'm called to be a small group leader. I'm not called to youth. I'm not called to kids, but I love working. I love helping. I love serving in that capacity. I would love to do that. You know, we need people in youth ministry. I'm going to take over a lot of the leadership of things that are happening in youth ministry. I've got a desire to disciple the kids. God has laid that on my heart. I need team members. I need people that would come alongside and say, you know what? I will help. 
I want to be there for the kids. I want to make sure that seeds get planted in their hearts. Do you know the statistics say that 90% of Christian kids, when they leave home and they go to college or they go to the military, they go to a trade school or they go into the workforce, statistics say that 90% will fall away from faith. I don't want that to happen. I want seeds planted in the hearts of young people. And I need people who would say, I will join you in that. And I want to be a part of that. We need people in children's ministry with the same thing. The children's ministry say, you know what? Teens, that's kind of a stretch sometimes. Uh, You really got to be called to the teenagers. But I can help the kids because I love the kids. And I want to work with the kids. Nursery, everybody's favorite thing. Nursery. We need kids and people working in nursery. We have hospitality who helps to do all of the the coffee and the donuts and anything that happens on a Sunday morning. And we need people who would say, I would love to serve in a capacity like that. We need small group leaders and small group hosts who would host and lead people in their homes or it's hosting and then maybe another person's leading that. And we need people that would do those kind of tasks. We need men's ministry helpers. We need women's ministry helpers. We need building trustees and the building trustees who would say, you know what? I will help oversee the building and the maintenance things that need to happen and the projects that we want to do. We need people who would be on the finance committee and help to see the business side of the church and the finances of the church. We have people on the missions team, and we need more people who have a heart for missions on the missions team, and we need people in benevolence who help to oversee benevolence requests that come into the church and make determinations on how to use those funds. We need people on the worship team, and this is just a handful of things that I could think off the top of my head. Is God calling you to serve? Do you have a heart to serve? Has he given you a vision? A gift, an ability. Are you focusing on that task? That section of the wall? Opposition will come, but I'm going to stay focused on God. And do you have a heart to serve? Because the people had a heart to work. It wasn't an obligation. It wasn't a duty. It was a heart's desire. Do you have that desire? Here's the challenge for you today. And I had mentioned all of these different things. In the back of your chairs, you're going to see a little card that says serve. I want you to take that, and I want you to pray about that, and I want you to pray, God, what would you have me do? What is the vision you have given me? What is the desire you put in my heart? How, Lord, can I be used for your kingdom's sake? We're going to close with a word of prayer, and we're going to dismiss, and I would challenge you to take that card and begin to pray this week, Lord, how do you want to use me? Let's pray as we close. Father, Thank you for being with us. Thank you for your word in Nehemiah, the example that we could see, that you gave him a vision. He had a vision from you. You put this in his heart. What, Lord, are you putting in our hearts? For some in this room, Lord, they don't have anything there because they don't have you there. So the first step, Lord, is they need a relationship with you. And if there's anyone in this room who's not trusted you and not given their life to you, not said, Jesus, please come into my life, forgive me of my sins and help me to walk with you. Make that be the first step. Lord, there are some people that they're not ready to serve because their own lives are just a mess right now. Maybe they need to do a time of healing and 
and, and getting right, not only with you, maybe it's getting right in their marriage. Maybe it's getting right with their kids. Maybe it's getting right with their addictions that they're carrying. And Lord, maybe that's the first step after trusting you that they need to focus on themselves for a while. There are others, Lord, that they have trusted you. They have been healed. They have, they have been walking with you for a while. And you're, I think, putting a vision in their heart of a place in an area of ministry that you want them to serve. So Lord, please show them that. When the opposition comes and we feel like quitting and giving up, may we look to you. May we look to you and trust you. Lord, you can protect us, and we do pray for that. We pray for your protection in an evil world. Help us, Lord, to stay focused on you as we saw in this example. Mostly, Lord, help us to have a heart for work, a desire, a heart's cry, a burden, Lord, that we want to see these things done. Father, this week, as we pray about this message, show us how you want to use us for your kingdom's sake. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Well, I hope you have a wonderful week, and we look forward to seeing you back here next week. Hey, thanks so much for checking out that message from Journey Church. We pray that it inspired you to trust the Lord, to treasure people, and to transform our world with the saving gospel message of Jesus Christ. If God is leading you to give to this ministry, be sure to head over to journeychurchgillette.com and hit the give icon in the bottom right-hand corner. Your generous contributions allow us to continue making content like this week after week. So thank you for your generosity so that we can keep spreading the message of Jesus Christ all over the internet. Hey, God bless you guys, and thanks for listening to this message.